I mean, the story, uh, I mean, obviously it's, it's the way the story makes you feel right. It's the way the, the story makes you challenge yourself, uh, makes you think and stories let us, um, live these lives, uh, you know, that, that, that we, that we never could have, and maybe that never even existed. You know, it's, it's weird. You see people who feel like they're friends, you know, with, with Harry and Hermione, you know, as they're walking the halls of Hogwarts or, uh, or, or whoever. Um, and it's because they've had, they've had the opportunity to cultivate these friendships and to experience these lives uh, in their mind that they otherwise never would have. There's, there's no greater magic than that, man. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. And welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. In this episode, we hear from the CMO of a company called BirdEye, uh, former marketing genius at HubSpot and cigar and scotch aficionado. He even used to have his own cigar radio show uh, out of Southern Florida. So this guy has got quite a story. And lucky for me, I've actually been a part of his story for about seven years or so now. Today, Sam Malakarjanan shares with the Storytellers Network his storytelling craft his successes and stumbles, in other words, his story. And as we get into that conversation for today, a friendly reminder to visit thestorytellersnetwork.com for more episodes from the past, for how to contact me, and for other resources to help you tell your story. And if you're new, text STORYTELLERS to 31996 to subscribe. STORYTELLERS to 31996. Now, let's get to the stories. So thanks for joining me, Sam. Uh, your, your intro, obviously, we've known each other for a long time, so it feels like just kind of sitting around having a beer, although I only have water still at this point. Um, but I appreciate you joining me today, man. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. and You and I have had enough beers and enough scotches. We can, we can do this one, <laughs> this one sober. How about that? I guess, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, so one of the things I find fascinating about storytellers is that storytellers of all levels, of all different platforms uh, and, and, and medium, uh, and any mini media at all can be anywhere. So tell me where you are geographically. Let's start there. I am in, uh, I'm in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Not, so that, not anywhere I thought I would ever end up. But yeah. <laughs> so that's where work took you then obviously, right? That's where you are with bird eye now. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, as I was, as I was looking for my next job after HubSpot, um, almost everything was, you know, Seattle, San Francisco, New York, Boston, London, Berlin, Basically, that was it, hmm. uh, with a couple of interesting things in Tel Aviv. Um, and this company actually is based in Palo Alto, uh, in San Francisco. But the sales office, the primary sales office is actually here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and as you know, I'm a big, big proponent of sales and marketing teams being physically co-located as much as possible. Hmm. And so I, uh, I packed up my wife and our dogs and we moved, uh, we moved to Dallas, Texas so that we could build out the bird eye marketing team here. 
So that's a, a good wife to support you in your, your van living and now in Dallas living and everywhere else, Boston, everywhere. <laughs> hey, living in a van for a year was, was mostly her idea. So, you know, now living in, I don't understand why my next choice was to live in Dallas, but whatever. <laughs> that works. So it's, it's um, been fun. Actually, we've, we've really enjoyed Dallas. <clears throat> good, good. It's, I, I hear it's a great area. So cool city, lots to do. So um, now do you can, so you're a marketer, obviously you're, you're uh, CMO, right? At Bird Eye. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing marketing forever. Do you consider yourself though a storyteller when it comes down to it? Absolutely. Uh, actually, I was having this conversation with um, our executive team not too long ago, uh, and we were going over the concept of how nobody buys a product at a price; they buy uh, a leading role in a story in, that they hope to see become their reality. Um, you know, that the marketing team, the sales team, all of us are trying to paint this picture of what their life could be. Uh, or what their business could be, which is you know, part, a big part of a lot of people's lives. Um, whether they use our solution, use our methodology, whatever. Uh, anytime we're talking to people, you know, we're always telling, telling that story. Um, and that's, that's what matters to people the most. And did that start for you? Have you always been a storyteller? Or was that something professionally that you decided, this is what I'm going to do? Huh. Uh, I never made a, a, a conscious decision that like I am now officially a storyteller. Um, I think, you know, when I was learning sales back in the day um, at T-Mobile and at Vonage, those really annoying people in the mall who harassed me to sell you cell phones, I used to train them. I have since, you know, recanted and, and repented and changed my ways. Um, but, but even then, right, you know, it's still trying to tell somebody a story about why they should interrupt their mall experience and stop and talk to you, uh, you know, and buy a cell phone from you. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I, if I had defined it or anything else like that, but I think we all intuitively know that when we're having a conversation with anybody, even right now, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to tell you a story and I'll try to tell your listeners a story. Uh, and it wasn't until fairly recently that I think I, I really started codifying it as like, this is storytelling that I'm actually doing. And, and is that how you kind of frame it, frame marketing in general now? And, you know, in 2018, we're talking about digital marketing and content and all these different things we call it. Does it really all come back to storytelling, really? Uh, I, think we've, I think we've come, not quite full circle, but the pendulum has definitely swung, right? So inbound marketing that HubSpot built its, um, you know, its, its business on was mostly about uh, education and creating this really interesting um, experience between the brand and between the prospect, between the customer, uh, to where there was more to the relationship than a simple transaction, right? It's not like, here's what I got. What do you got for me? Uh, it was, Hey, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to educate you. I'm going to make this good experience. Uh, I think now, and, and what I'm, why I'm so interested in companies like BirdEye, uh, is that it is more about the story. Uh, I, I got a little hyperbolic when I was trying to explain this to my team. Because, um, you know, our, our business is, is reviews marketing, right? And when you think of reviews, that's a story that a customer is telling about another company. Um, and I think that's our thesis and why this is so interesting to me is that in this day and age, no one cares what your sales and marketing team has to say about you, right? They care what your customer, you are the stories that your customers tell about you. You know, um, United Airlines phenomenal sales and marketing team. None of us care, right? All we care about is the story that those, that people tell about us, the horror stories about, you know, what it's like to fly with them, et cetera. Mm. And I'm sure they're very nice people, very intelligent people on their team. 
conversely, there are probably some companies that are fairly subpar uh, that people really, really love and they tell great stories about for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they don't have as many features, maybe they're more expensive, but their customers are telling those stories about them. And, um, and I think that we've come full circle uh, on that where it's not the stories that the brand is telling about themselves, but it's like, what are the stories that other people are, are saying about you? Uh, and how do you facilitate that? And how do you like enable and activate that community of customer fans? And do you think that's a professional road someone can go down if they consider themselves a storyteller in general is to be almost a, a story facilitator, story sharer, story, you know, uh, collector. Is, yeah. is that kind of a, a professional road that somebody can go down, do you think? You're a pretty decent sized nerd. Have you ever read uh, the Ender's Game series by Orson Scott Card? No, but uh, I'm supposed to. My, my daughter has either read it or seen it or whatever, but I'm supposed to, I guess, right? Okay. There's a book in it called Speaker for the Dead, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, maybe we can call this like Speaker for the Closed or something like Speaker for the, speaker for the Closed One uh, customer. Um, you know, when I look at modern marketing teams and especially this paradigm of nobody, first of all, nobody trusts what your sales and marketing team has to say anymore. Um, and definitely, you know, it's, it's not what they value. It's not what influences them. Uh, I think more about our jobs as being collecting those stories, like the speaker for the dead did in that, like he would uh, go to a funeral and he would find out the real stories and he would not sugarcoat it, right? He would find out the real stories about who this person really, really was uh, and tell their real life story uh, at their funeral. Um, and, you know, in, in our case, I think it, it is about not just going out and getting the great stories, right? Finding the customers who didn't have the world's best experience. Um, and sometimes, you know, the really interesting thing is when you don't sugarcoat it, uh, you actually get more customers. Um, have, you, have you ever heard of the service recovery paradox? You familiar mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So that's a super interesting thing. That's why the speaker for the dead thing came to mind for me. Hmm. Because uh, the, spe- the service recovery paradox for those of you who don't know, is this weird quirk that customers who have an issue with a company and the company then fixes it are more loyal to that company than customers are to companies where they never had an issue at all. Um, so my example is uh, Delta versus Hilton. So I ha- I've had some issues with Delta and talked to them on Twitter. They fix it literally before I land. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hilton never had an issue but SPG and Marriott just merged and I, I dropped them like a hot potato. Right. And it just shifted over. Um, and that's, that's a weird quirk. So I think, uh, you know, just, just to, to bring it back to that storytelling, it is about going out, collecting those stories from your customers, from your customer fans, uh, good or bad, and then making those stories available to the people who are trying to make a decision about whether or not you're someone they want to do business with. And it's nice to know that it doesn't have to be all unicorns and rainbows and super happy stories. You can tell a story of how you help someone, when you screwed up and being and, and authentic, right? I mean, I think that word gets used a ton, but it really comes down to authenticity, doesn't it? Yeah, no one believes that you're always perfect and awesome all the time. There's, there's good data on this, by the way, um, in terms of like the optimal star rating. If all you've got is five stars, people actually find that fairly suspicious because no one has a win rate like that. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and I, and I do think that, uh, you know, Brene Brown, I know you and I have uh, talked about her philosophies on vulnerability in the past. You know, when I tell stories about how I used to hawk cell phones in the mall um, and I can do like the T-Mobile sales pitch in Spanish, even though I don't speak Spanish, just because I was, I was that irritating. I didn't care what you were going to say back to me. So it didn't matter if I 
knew anything other than the next line in the pitch. Señor, señor, ven acá, ven un minuto con quién es su teléfono celular, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Um, I think that if I tried to convince you that I had always been this, like, brilliant paragon of marketing truth and justice, that you'd think I was, like, kind of irritating and not really credible. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's not all about unicorns and rainbows. And it's good to know that, you know, and when it comes to that, that personal brand of, you know, like Sam, uh, it, it's, it's cool to know that you can come from somewhere and grow. And I think that's a, that's an important inspiration for storytellers to realize is that you don't have to be, you're not going to be a Brene Brown storyteller at the beginning, right? You're going to be hawking uh, cell phones at the mall or whatever, and then grow from there. Like, that's okay to know. I love yeah, that. That was awkward. I mean, you think about the, you know, think about storytelling. Um, Actually, you know what was funny? So you made fun of my collared shirt, right? Uh, before we started recording. <laughs> uh, the reason Dan did that, uh, folks at home, is that um, I am not famed for my uh, fashion sense. Um, <laughs> well, just business and, casual is not in your vocabulary. Yeah, it's, it anyway. it's really not, right? But, but here in Dallas and out in San Francisco and, and, you know, and, and as you move up to the executive level, you can't quite get away with the flip-flops and shorts uh, thing as much anymore. And so I was actually telling this to, uh, I, I went to uh, it's literally just like a guy here uh, who's, who's a friend of a friend. And I'm like, please help me. I, I don't know. Like artificial intelligence, blockchain, quantum physics, sure. Um, knowing what shirt to wear, I'm totally lost. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's got a business where he does, um, where he does clothes and he does uh, uh, tailoring and stuff like that too. And I was explaining to him, I'm like, you are... And in, in all marketing, you are talking about, as in storytelling, you're talking about the hero's journey, right? And, you know, his ideal is that he's the Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Or he's the Gandalf the Grey. And there's always this, um, you know, the hero's cranking along, living on Tatooine or the Shire or whatever. And then something horrible happens. And it's this big transformative life event. And they make all these mistakes. And they encounter this guide. Uh, who, in the case of brand storytelling, you, that guide is your company, right? You, your company is the Obi-Wan Kenobi or the Gandalf. Um, and then that, that guide, you know, um, goes with them and helps them realize um, a future that they, that they had never even considered, but was actually what they wanted all along. And so I was telling this to him. I'm like, you are the Obi-Wan Kenobi or the Gandalf here, right? You, and you want more people like me. In his case, he's really good at dressing people who have no idea what they want to wear or like what looks good. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, you know, that's the story that you want to tell, for example, in your marketing, as you're doing some of this stuff uh, in your brand storytelling is, you know, you're the, uh, everything goes wildly wrong in my life and I make all these mistakes. And dude, when he asked me where I buy most of my clothes and I told him target, I, I thought he might hit me. <laughs> um, like physically assault me, but no, but you know, he's, he's like, that's cool. Like you're coming from a bad place and I'm going to help you get to where you need to be. Yeah. It's the hero's journey. Absolutely. Now it's funny cause you're kind of dating yourself. You, you obviously are a, uh, a fan of the original star Wars, uh, rather than, uh, Luke is now the Obi-Wan and Ray is the hero. And like, it's funny when I hear people talk about that thing, it's like they're that, that hero's journey. And then they, they always say Obi-Wan to the Luke like yeah but now it's luke to the ray so, yeah anyway. i don't know luke's not quite obi-wan right because he he has this skill set or this this product that's in demand uh and for some reason and he keeps saying no he's like that really snobby restaurant in downtown 
that where all the tables are empty and they still say, I'm sorry, we're full up for the evening. <laughs> right? Like that's, that's more like what Luke is in this one. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> so, all right. So let's get back. I, I could geek out all day long on, on this kind of data <laughs> stuff. I, I love this man. Um, but, but this season's talking about social media storytellers. And so for the, for the listeners, you know, when I, when I met Sam, uh, he was, he was using Twitter, like, I mean, just amazingly well, both personally and testing it professionally and doing all these different things with it. Sam, do you think that social media can be a place for storytellers, you know, or does there, do you have to be a storyteller who uses video or writes a book or whatever? I mean, can social media be a place where you are a storyteller? It's absolutely a place where you're a storyteller. It's the, it's the only value to it, hmm. right? Uh, if, I mean, what's the other option? You're just going to sit there and, and tweet your links to your product detail pages all day. You know, like, um, I, I think that I think part of the problem, and this is especially on a personal level, brands do this too, but individuals do this. We spend too much time on social media telling the story that we wish was true. Um, you know, we, it's this highly curated, uh, you know, version of ourselves. Um, and, and that, that creates a lot of negativity. Actually. I had, I had a, a friend of mine, um, back home in Cocoa beach where I grew up, very small town. Uh, and he told me, he's like, you know, after, years he's like you know seeing your posts on facebook made me feel bad about myself and i'm like why and he's like well you know you travel you do all the stuff you're in istanbul you do all this i'm like yeah but my life also has like it's really horrible parts i just don't tell that part of the story in social media and in my case it's because i i don't like complaining in social media it's, it's just not really me like i'm i don't want to focus on the negative and amplify that into the universe um you know but that is still me making a conscious decision about what story I'm going to tell. People look at my Facebook and my Twitter and they assume that I have this perfect idealized life uh, because that's the story that for whatever reason, um, you know, that I've, that I've decided to tell. So as opposed to, I don't know what the hell else I would do on, uh, on social media. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I could share like, you know, buy my, buy my shake or buy my, uh, what's the, what's the latest MLM these days? Wraps and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah wraps and clothes and yeah. tight, you know, tight pants, whatever, LuLaRoe. And, yeah. um, I mean, cause I mean, I think, I think one alternative might be, I guess I suppose it's still a story, but it's just, just diarrhea of the mouth or the thumbs, I guess it would be right. Like there's nothing, you know, telling a story to me is not always conscious, but it's, it's, it's developing something, right? But there are people who use social media to just simply vent everything. And that to me isn't storytelling. Um, but I think storytelling often has a, uh, not necessarily a goal, but I guess, I guess it has a goal, right? Like I want you to connect with me. You know, if I'm telling my story on social media personally, I want you to connect with me and, and not necessarily take an action, but just connect. Yeah. Um, but if all I'm doing is, you know, whining, I mean, you know, but I mean, that- maybe it's maybe it's catharsis, maybe it's whatever. My favorite form of that particular story tech, uh, storytelling is vague booking, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is uh, it's like a choose your own adventure, but all of the directions are missing, right. right? So like they're complaining about something, and you can tell there's a story going on here, and it actually seems super interesting because they're very passionate, uh, but all of the details are missing, uh, you know. And and in some way, maybe that's the best story of all because you can fill in whatever narrative you want uh, that you find most interesting in terms of what that vague booking might mean. Right. But we often fill in the, the immediate negative tear to ourselves. At least I do. Somebody's like, I'm mad at somebody. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what did I do? Oh, that's very, Listen, that's very. Just because I said I was mad at a guy na- whose name rhymes with like sand soil does not mean that I was referring <laughs> to you. Right. Dude? Yeah. Come on. Right. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, what's a story. 
thinking back that, that has changed your life? Because I mean, story stories change our lives, right? They can change the world. Is there one that has changed your life you can think of? Man. You know, there are some interviewers who like prep you with questions in advance so that you can have like a really cool answer. Dan is not one of those interviewers. Yeah, I sent you a link. Uh, Come on. <laughs> oh, if you did, okay. Maybe I, I didn't. probably didn't. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a, there's a recent one, which I think was super interesting. I I um I went to Pakistan, and it was their first like tech startup conference uh, in Pakistan, and we were there uh, in, by invitation of their interior ministry. It was super weird, by the way. It's like me and a guy from a, a professor from Yale. Um, you know, and we're supposed to get business visas on arrival and nobody knows what that means when we get to the airport. There's all that drama, you know, and then I'm at the startup conference and, um, you know, and we're, we're giving a lot of the talks we normally do. I give my talk on, uh, on, um, surviving the future and how to create disruption and innovation management. And another professor or another person from a VC firm is up there talking about, um, you know, how to handle the stress of dealing with investors and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm talking to one of the entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, Karachi, Pakistan was not the safest city in the world. Uh, even now it's not the safest city in the world. Uh, my family was, you know, worried ish about me when I, when I went, but I figured if I'm not going to go, you know, with no kids and young and stuff like that, you know, who, who is right. Somebody has to go. But I'm talking to this entrepreneur and, uh, and he's like, you know, it's, it's, it breaks my heart, but he's like, he's like, you know, for, for two years, I, I left my house every day knowing that like, I was not coming home to my wife. He's like, I think I can handle the stress of pitching to investors. I'm like, that is a short story, but holy, I don't know if you bleep on this show, but wow, man. Um, right. I'm like, right. I, I'm like, I'm, I have nothing else to say to you, right? Like, let's just talk about frameworks and testing and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. You know, and, 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 um, and very, very impactful for me. We think about, um, startups and the stress of it all. And, you know, here in the United States and it's, it's very, very serious business. And then you, you talk to some of these folks who are doing incredible work, really incredible work. And they have a very incredible mindset too. Like they hire as many people as they can um, just so that they can spread it around. Right. It's just part of the way they look at the unit economics of their businesses is the impact they have on their communities. Um, you know, and, and the stress that, that they deal with and, and still do such, such amazing work. And that story, I think like just, totally shattered this, this, uh, this bubble I'd been living in only speaking in in Western Europe and in the United States. I spoke in 49 U S States last year, uh, you know, 11 other countries, uh, mostly in Western Europe. Uh, and nobody told me a story, even though it was, I don't know, 15 words or something like that, that had that big of an impact on me. And it kind of brings things into perspective for you, doesn't it? I mean, it, like, wow, that's pretty incredible. Um, it also, it also makes me think of this. I, I heard, I forget now where I heard it, but I heard recently <clears throat> that the, the, the poorer countries think in terms of abundance where the rich think in terms of lack and how interesting that is. Mm-hmm. And like, he, you know, like, like what I heard you say, Sam was, was that these startup founders hire many people as they can to spread that around. And they think in terms of abundance, they want everybody to have a part of this. Whereas like in America or, or richer com- countries um, and companies, uh, you know, we, we, we go at it with a, a la- like a, a, a keep it mine kind of a thing. So it's very interesting to, to hear the, the world story. Um, and, I th- and I think that's important for listeners to, to, to remember we aren't the only story, right? I mean, getting those stories from around the world is so important, isn't it? 
you know, there's this cognitive principle called loss aversion, right? Uh, where you're more likely to fight hard to keep something you already have than you are to attain that exact same thing, like net new. Hmm. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons we do like freemium and so, like there's a bunch of business model things that are powered by this uh, concept of loss aversion. Um, you know, and I, and I think about it sometimes when I hear the stories about, uh, for example, uh, poor people who suddenly get like a ton of money and blow it all. Right. And it's cause they, they didn't really have like a loss aversion there. Right? That, that was new to them as opposed to somebody who was sort of born into wealth and privilege, um, has, you know, a much, much greater aversion uh, to being poor than somebody who is, who is already poor uh, or struggling going back to being poor. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's an interesting story in and of itself. Uh, and, and I think just in fiction and in nonfiction, what, always one of the most fascinating stories is when you see people who, um, who, can, who can rise above that, uh, who can, you know, just all the, all the best stories, man, or you, you give up everything you have and you leave home and you go do whatever, um, you know, and you, and you change everything, not because you have to, um, but because you choose to. Uh, interestingly, it's also why I like the Hunger Games and, and my wife likes Divergent uh, is because, in my opinion, in Divergent, uh, the, main, the protagonist never has a choice. She always has to, like, her, her options are like either die or go fight. Um, as opposed to in Hunger Games, where she's given this, this option, you can have this very comfortable life for you and your family, uh, you know, forever, for the rest of your life, no more want, no more worry. Uh, and she actually gives, she chooses to lose all of that and overcomes that loss aversion uh, in order to do what I think she thinks is the right thing. It's a great story. Yeah. You, man, I, I need like an internal something to, to capture some of these things. I want to ask you a million things and I keep writing stuff down and then like forgetting, Oh, I need to ask about that. I love it, man. Um, uh, what is it that you love so much about story? And when you talk, whether you're talking about marketing, whether you're talking about hunger games versus divergent, you know, uh, all these things, what is it that the story means to you? I mean, the story, uh, I mean, obviously, this, it's the way the story makes you feel, right? It's the way the, the story makes you challenge yourself, uh, makes you think about the world differently. You know, the really weird thing about humans, unless you believe in reincarnation, which in, well, even if you believe in reincarnation, you don't get to keep the memories. I don't know very many people who think you do. Um, you only get to live this life from a single perspective. Uh, and that's a, that's a big bummer, right? Uh, no matter how great your perspective is or how interesting your life is, the most interesting man in the world uh, still only gets to experience that, that lens and stories let us, um, live these lives, uh, you know, that, that, that we, that we never could have, and maybe that never even existed. You know, it's, it's weird. You see people who feel like they're friends, you know, with, with Harry and Hermione, you know, as they're walking the halls of Hogwarts or, uh, or, or whoever, um, and it's because they've had, they've had the opportunity to cultivate these friendships and to experience these lives uh, in their mind that they otherwise never would have. There's, there's no greater magic than that, man. Come on. That, that's like literally, um, you know, just the, the coolest thing you can do in your life is have a huge and unlimited number of experiences. And the only way to really do that is by consuming stories, by consuming stories that other people have created or that other people have, uh, have experienced and shared. And when, when you and Jen were out on the road in your van for a year and you, you know, speaking of 49 states and all these things, did you find yourself consuming a lot of stories just by talking to people? Yeah, that was cool, man. 
That yeah. was cool. Um, getting to talk to, to so many people, uh, so, so different, right? You know, you think about the fact that I've spent my entire life in major cities, primarily East Coast major cities, um, you know, and then to be able to, to be in Kansas, uh, wonderful people. Just wonderful. We, I mean, people make fun of them, call them the flyover states or whatever. <laughs> Fantastic people. Um, you know, Arkansas had great drivers, right? Like th- that was cool. Uh, you know, uh, being able to go to the Yukon Territory of Canada where, you know, it's like the size of New England and as many people live there as live in my hometown <laughs> of, uh, you know, in, in Cocoa Beach. Um, the stories and perspectives that I, I'd never even considered Right. You know, uh, especially weird to talk to entrepreneurs and startup folks in like Whitehorse in the Yukon territory where the, where it's like, you know, why are you doing this? You know, you're going to go public, maybe, uh, keep it private. Like what's, what's, what's the goal here? Like, you know, what's, is it 15 X compounding growth? Like what's the, you know, your, your cagger. Right. And he's like, no, man, I, I, I love skiing. I'm like, okay. That is not like a, you know, and that was super, that's not like a story that you hear much in Boston, San Francisco, Seattle, New York, right? All those people are, can we go public? How much money can we make? How hard can we work? Et cetera. Um, And some of these people are just like, no, this is a really cool way to make enough money to afford warm enough clothes to go skiing and hiking and stuff like that. Um, You know, or like I said, being, being in Kansas, uh, being in Texarkana, Arkansas, super cool. Um, you know, listening to their, to their life experiences, these people who have never lived their hometowns and have, and at least as far as I was able to, to discern, had no regrets, right? They, they had wonderful family lives, you know, yeah, sure. They dreamed about the other stuff that they might be able to go see, but they were still very, you know, they seemed like fulfilled and happy and, and interesting and kind and wonderful people. Um, yeah, that, it, the whole thing was just one big uh, collecting of stories. And then, and you guys shared them too, obviously, you know, using social media and, and the, the Facebook page and stuff like that. And then Jen's a writer and you use social media, like, like sharing those stories then is so powerful. I, I mean, I keep hearing connection when you're talking just connection. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, the social media stories were cool. We actually did more. We shot an, a documentary called innovation on the edge uh, because there was a guy again, actually in the Yukon, he's a brewery if you're familiar with blue ocean strategy, it's, you know, a, a very nerdy Ivy leaguey businessy sort of uh, innovation framework. And he accidentally invented what I would argue is a better version of that just by like thinking deeply about his customers or um, you know, the last chain of blockbusters uh, is in Alaska and um, talking to uh, you know, a woman who had managed three generation of hourly employees she had managed boomers, Xers, and millennials. And actually, I'm sorry, forward, because now she's managing post-millennials, whatever the hell we decided to call them. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, and, and learning about how that chain of Blockbuster survived. And it's not because the internet's terrible. I was streaming, live streaming Netflix on my phone and on my TV. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, they, they, were, they were incredible stories. It was incredible to connect with those people. And, you know, the coolest stories are the ones that uh, – you sort of like never saw, they're new, right? Game of Thrones was so popular, I think because it was one of the first times recently in TV that we had seen people who, or that we had seen a story that, was, that would shock us, that was different, right? 
not shock us because it's gory and bloody or whatever, but you know, like plot armor isn't a thing anymore. You can actually kill the main characters kind of thing. That was, that was interesting. Um, as opposed to, you know, when I was living in Boston uh, or New York or whatever, it's just hearing the same stories over and over again. It's, oh, that's cool. You work for a tech startup. Oh, that's cool. You have the exact same investors I do. Oh, that's cool. Right. Uh, yeah, it was fun, man. It was a blast. How do you, how do you find new ways to tell a story? You know, when you talk about Game of Thrones and that, you know, they actually kill off some of the main characters. Um, obviously they've done that through, you know, Walking Dead and stuff, but to find new stories in business, how do you, how do you come up with those new ideas and, and, and not be afraid to try them? Uh, I, I still maintain that you, you can write, you know, we're all going to write our brand mission and vision and statement, you know, and we're going to try and tell the story that we think uh, people should hear. The best stories are out there in your customers, right? I, I, I still talk about, uh, you know, I talk about you, you know, at, at Amerifirst back in the day, you were at a, a, a home mortgage company, you know, it's a home mortgage company based out of Michigan, Kalamazoo, Michigan. And we end up doing what I still to this day think might have been the first, if not one of the first marketing campaigns on Pinterest, mm-hmm. right? It's super, super cool. Um, or the, the entrepreneur who, uh, you know, who broke down in who, not quite tears, but got choked up on the phone talking about how we single-handedly put his daughter through college. Um, you know, I mean, come on, I'm not going to tell a better story than that. Yeah. Right. And it's not case studies, right? It's is not, um, you know, Oh, Dan Moyle saw 4.6% ROI in <laughs> HubSpot in 14 days. No, that's like nobody, no, I mean, that's good. And that helps people feel comfortable with the decision that they're making. Um, but that is not, <laughs> that's, that's not a story. That's, that's, that's a, that's a, like a side note, right? That's, that's not the real story. The real story is Dan Moyle got to work on really interesting stuff uh, for, for years. Uh, and he got to look like a rock star and he got to spend more time with his family and he got to take his career to places he didn't think that he would get to take it. Um, and that's like, that was, that's why HubSpot mattered was, was your story and everybody else's story. Not, you know, as much as I love make marketing people love and make love, not spam and whatever, <laughs> you know, none of those stories come even close to the one that, that you can tell or that somebody else can tell. Yeah. And I did it all in a boring industry and got to actually talk about it on stage, which was really cool. Do you, do you have a favorite platform to tell a story? Like I just said, I love talking on stage. Do you have a favorite platform or does it depend on the story? I love, I love stage, Ed, but the reason I love it is different than you probably. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as you know, I've taught at Harvard University for, for several years, taught at University of South Florida. I've done consulting. I do interviews like this and webinars. Um, the good thing on stage is uh, the story is totally yours, right? The pace, uh, what you get to say, how you get to say it, everything is totally in your control and, and you can have a lot of fun with it. And that's my wife in the background who's trying to hide. Like being super, super subtle. Good job. That's Mark. funny. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, you know, on stage, it's it, this on stage. The story is told years on in a classroom or on a podcast like this. Like you and I are creating this story together, um, which is fun and exciting in its own way. But it, uh, you know, I I love I love being able to like really tell the story and and get people crying and applauding and you know, you've heard enough of my speeches that, you know, I end a bunch of them with like, uh, and yes, she said, yes. Talking about my wife, right. like the one who just walked by awkwardly during my <laughs> one time I told her to not come out here. All right. 
you know, and like everybody goes on and it's great. Right. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I love stage. Um, yeah. I, I think that's what I'm best at probably second best, you know, is, is audio. Yeah. 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 Stage that, that having control of the room mm. even. Yeah. I, I love that part of it, man. That's cool. Um, so, so you, you use video, you use web, you use speech, uh, audio, you use all these different things to tell a story. But if somebody said to you, Sam, you can only tell one last story. What would that last story look like for you? I really should have read your prep doc. <laughs> you know, um, what story would that be? If I'm going to tell, if, if I'm going to tell, if, if I, I, you know, I can, I can only tell one story. I, uh, I was, uh, I was in college and I went back to high school. I was doing a, a project where I was interviewing like teachers or something like that. I don't remember what it was, you know, and I go and I, I'm interviewing a bunch of kids in the honors classes and the AP classes and everything else like that. And, you know, those kids are very impressive, very smart, very hardworking. Uh, and, but you know, it's kind of easy for them, right? Like uh, I slept through my entire AP language class and still got a perfect score on the exam. Um, and that's neat. But then I was talking to this other kid, uh, who was in high school and, you know, I, I was asking him, you know, like he's, he wants to join the Marines and stuff like that. Right. And, and he, and I'm like, you know, why are you, you know, what, how do you feel about math? You know, a lot of people say, you know, why should I bother learning math? I'm never going to use this. Um, uh, and he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to do pushups on the battlefield. I still do pushups. Uh, and he busted his butt, you know, working really, really hard to get his like C average. Um, you know, and I think that I've, I've always remembered that kid. I've always remembered that story versus all of the other like smart slackers that I had met that are kind of funny. Right. And it's funny to tell stories about. And I was one of them. Right. Um, you know, versus somebody who doesn't do as well, but tries a lot harder. They have the resilience, they have the strength of character, um, you know, and, and, and especially to have that level of maturity to be like, you know, I'm, he's functionally, he's doing pushups for his brain by learning something he's never going to use uh, in the future. Um, I think that is a kid that I think about a lot as somebody that I respect a lot more than somebody who's just smart. So congratulations, whether nature or nurture, you managed to become a genius. Like that's nice and all. Um, I'm, I'm way more impressed by people who actually have to work for it. Like that kid. It's a great story to go down. Inspirational, man. Where can, uh, where can people find you? What's the easiest way to find Sam Malkarjanan? Yeah. If you can spell anything close to my last name, you'll find me, uh, on Google. Uh, fortunately there are other Malkarjanans in the world, but none of them are internet marketers. Uh, so it's just me and this one guy from India, the Indian parliament. Uh, and, but I own the entire first page of Google. So you can find me at Malkarjanan.com, Twitter at Malkarjanan, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, as well. Um, and you know, I, I encourage you guys to go, uh, check out bird eye as well and, and check out some of the stories that we're trying to tell there. We're getting there, you know, we're getting to where we're collecting and telling these stories. Um, and I think that's, that's something that, that I'm going to really enjoy. So yeah, check out my website, check, check that out. And otherwise um, shoot me an email, shoot me a tweet. I answer everybody. Awesome. Yeah. We'll put them in the, in the show notes. So cool, man. Thanks for your time today. Sam it was a lot of fun, man. Thanks Dan. Always good to talk to you. 
And that's Sam. Thank you so much, Sam, for uh, hanging out with the Storytellers Network podcast. And be, for, be sure to visit Sam online. You can find those links to the resources he talked about in the show notes. And if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it all over the place as we're talking about so- social media storytellers this season. Might as well share it on social media, right? Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat, text it, email it, wherever you can share it with other storytellers. Always helpful and I appreciate it very much. And if you are new to the Storytellers Network podcast, text STORYTELLERS to 31996 to subscribe and get the next episode as it comes out every Monday morning at 7 a.m. And please consider leaving us a review too. Those are awesome and uh, help us to show folks that we're doing good work. Hey, until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.